This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton, and I am joined, as I hope I always will be, by the wonderful, the sensational Jackie Vores. Jackie, how are you doing this fine Wednesday morning? And it's kind of a weird one, team. It's kind of a weird one, listeners. This is a strange time to be recording. It's a very busy period, and we've also got a guest with us this morning who we're going to introduce in just a moment. But before we do get onto that, Jackie, how are you doing this Wednesday morning? How are you feeling after the weekend? Oh, my goodness. The weekend seems a long time ago. I'm feeling fine. I've just um, come back from my workout. And for anybody who's viewing the video, there's a, a new addition to the room, which is my... Um, egg chair which I'm going to be working on for my upholstery which is all nicely stripped down and ready to start to re-upholster so Super. yeah but I won't be able to do that because I'm going on holiday tonight going on holiday tonight there you go going away tonight and that's kind of another reason why we're doing this podcast recording on Wednesday morning um, because Jackie's off away on our holes and we were actually talking about Jackie being away for our holidays in the next few days with our guest before we went live because we're very very excited listeners to have this guest on the podcast this morning he is one of the founding members of pr agency profile london-based pr agency profile he is the wonderful sam patchett sam good morning welcome to the podcast how are you doing this fine wednesday morning Good morning, Lyle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm going very well on this Monday, uh, sorry, Wednesday morning, getting a bit behind myself there. Um, <laughs> nice overcast day in London, so all is well from this end, and thanks for having me on. You're very, very welcome. And, you know, it would be remiss of me not to, at first, on this particular episode of the podcast, just kind of detect there a slight kind of New Zealand twang, am I right? It's like you are you are from originally, you, you originate from New Zealand, and then you're currently living in London working for Profile, is that right? That's 100% correct, and, and thank you for getting that, that right. And 99% of Australia, so it's, it's nice to have a bit of accuracy now and then. I mean, I can't, I can't 100% hold my hands up and take credit for that because I do tend to do a little bit of research for something before I start. I should have just owned that, shouldn't I? That's it. Yeah, I, I should have just owned that before we started. But like before we get into profile, Sam, and sort of talking about a few other things that we've spoken about before we went live on the podcast, as we like to do with all of our guests who come on, and thanks so much for reaching out to us as well and, and coming on the podcast, which, by the way, listeners shows, it can be done. Get in touch and come up on the podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your career so far? Because, again, when I was doing my research, you have worked here, there, and everywhere. You didn't start out in PR. You started out in a different industry. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if I was to summarise my career, it would probably be I spent the whole time trying to find my niche, so to speak. I've always known that I've wanted to work in something that involves a degree of communications and writing. My first job out of university was actually a sports journalist for a very small local paper in a very small town in New Zealand called the Marlborough Express. And I love the job, but it was just, it was a shrinking industry. I'm sure you both know how hard it is to crack it in journalism these days. Um, and the small town life wasn't quite for me either. So I moved back to Wellington. I then went into politics. I worked as a political advisor for ministers um, in New Zealand's parliament in, in Wellington, which is obviously the capital. That was very enjoyable. Um, I was still very young. That was my early 20s. There was a lot of, kind of stress 
Um, it was very high-paced. And as it is everywhere in the world, politics is always just a little bit toxic, a little bit kind of negative. Um, so then I moved into the private sector. I moved into PR and communications. I worked for a small boutique agency in Wellington called Sweeney Vesti. Interesting little agency. We had a huge range of clients, kind of public sector clients, corporate clients, uh, consumer clients. But the New Zealand market was just a little bit small. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, New Zealand's only got a population of about 5 million people. So that means career prospects and everything like that just have a bit of a ceiling. So I made the move over to the UK like a lot of Kiwis and a lot of Australians do. I've been here for about five years now. I've worked in corporate communications uh, for Aegon and for Grayling here in London. Aegon was based up in Edinburgh, but that was all a little bit too corporate. And here I am at Profile where we focus specifically on executive profiling and working with individuals, whether it's CEOs, founders, business leaders, entrepreneurs, investors, to build their personal profile, working with them one-on-one. And I found that to be very interesting, very engaging, and just very rewarding as, as kind of a as a career. So I'm, I'm hoping that I finally, finally found my niche, so to speak. That is superb. I mean, first and foremost, I mean, you have been here, there and everywhere. I mean, they're quite literally a guest where I can say, I mean, he's quite literally worked on the other side of the world and in like a plethora of different industries as well. I mean, I suppose my first question to you would be, and this is something we spoke about via email before you came on the podcast, is that actually working for an executive profiling PR agency, I imagine places quite a lot of emphasis on relationships with your clients, more so perhaps, I mean, obviously it's not comparative obviously it's important Jackie and I've spoken on previous episodes of the podcast about how important that kind of client agency relationship is but when you're working with individuals and doing this kind of profiling work it's important to have a very strong kind of professional relationship with your clients and I understand that you're actually kind of in charge of the the client side as well you're in charge of the kind of like you know your client director as it were in fact your client director at, at profile I mean how important in your opinion is kind of building successful relationships with your clients, but also relationships where you can be open, you can be transparent, you know, you can be truthful, knowing that there's that respect there as well. I mean, how important is that to you? And and I suppose, how do you go about doing that as well? Absolutely. And and you're 100% right. I mean, in any industrial sector where you've got clients, obviously building a, a strong relationship is always going to be important, but it's particularly important when you're working one on one with that individual to build their personal profile. Because their profile is obviously something that's very personal to them. When you're working with a brand or an organization or a big company, you're obviously working with the comms team or the marketing team. And it's always been a bit of a sort of frustration for me throughout my PR career, not wanting to get too negative, but that, that client agency relationship, there can quite often be a misalignment in expectations, a misalignment in objectives. And, and a misalignment in kind of what good PR actually looks like. And, and too often, the agency just becomes somewhat of an extension of the comps team or of the client, um, where the comps team just kind of lumps them with the jobs they don't really want to do or have sometimes, let's be honest, quite unrealistic or outrageous expectations of, of what can be achieved. Whereas working in executive profile and working one-on-one with that individual, you can be a little bit more candid, you can be a little bit more honest, you can be a little bit more firm in setting expectations and 
what we're going to do, what we're going to, uh, you know, what we're going to focus our energy on, what we're going to achieve. And bringing that honesty and that, you know, being candid like that from the outset, from day one, literally from the pitch before you've even signed them is a really good way to just start that, that relationship really strong and kind of earn their trust, I suppose. I have so many questions for you around this. First thing I want to to talk to you about is you mentioned agencies and you mentioned, you know, the traditional PR role is usually a team from the agency working with a team from the client or an individual from the client following all the sort of PR objectives, which can include the client profiling. But what you've done is you specialised in just focusing on the profile of that individual. So question number one, one thing that I really focus on a lot with clients is making sure that they understand their mission, their vision, their values, and how they sort of communicate those via whatever PR outreach they're doing, whatever marketing outreach they're doing. Do you look at personal mission, vision, values? I mean, how do you couch that and how do you do that does it ever conflict with the company? Are there ever, and, and are do you, sorry, there's so many questions here. And did, does that ever sort of bat up against what the general communications team is trying to achieve? Or do you find there is a harmonious relationship there? So are you talking specifically with our clients or our clients that have had with previous agencies? It's anything really. I mean, just generally, do you sort of, do you sit with a client and work out exactly what their mission and their vision and values are? And do you ever have any experience of that sort of not necessarily translating totally to what the organization absolutely no that's that's a really good question and our absolute top priority is always to sit down with the client and understand exactly what it is that they have to say what they believe in that we can feed into their kind of personal profile we can feed into their messaging and quite often sometimes they have very interesting punchy things to say that we can absolutely leverage and all the content we produce and all our media engagement that's really going to kind of generate some cut through. Sometimes, and I'm sure you've had this many times in your career, Jackie, clients just want to sit back in their, what I call their corporate safe zone, not say anything too controversial, not say anything too unique or interesting, not wanting to upset anyone. And that's what, what I find can be the most challenging and when we kind of setting out from day one what it is they're actually going to say, what their messaging, what their position is going to be, when they're not really willing to raise any eyebrows. Um, and that's when we really have to challenge them and push back and say, look, I know you might feel a little bit uncomfortable saying X, Y, Z, but at the end of the day, that is what's going to generate a bit of cut through with the media, but also give the content that we produce for you kind of a point of difference and something interesting that's going to also generate engagement on social media, on your website, with your stakeholders, with your, you know, with your key audiences, so to speak. So, yeah, but absolutely, that, that that's always our priority from day one when we start working with a client. I mean, we have a few dream clients, Tom, Ludo, um, but do you have any sort of absolute dream clients that you think, yeah, they absolutely get it. They understand the process, what I need in order to, to go out there and, you know, get good press. I think getting to that stage with a client is always a process. Sometimes you get there within two or three months. Sometimes it can take two or three years to kind of, we call a cadence with the client where they just rely on you to tell them what to do, tell them what to say. Not even that. I mean, pitch out to media on their behalf and just 
trust us to just know what we're doing and get on with it. And then you've got on the other end of the spectrum, clients usually early in the kind of work program when you start working with them. But as I was saying before, a little bit more pushback. But in terms of our dream client, it's not so much the working relationship, it's more what they're doing. And we firmly believe that, and, and I firmly believe, I always have that, that business and, and enterprises is a force for good in the world. And we want clients that are doing something innovative, something unique, something different, whether it's in fintech, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's, it, it can be any retail, it can be any sector. Um, if they're doing something different, something interesting, something unique, and we can kind of be part of telling that story for them, that's for us what, what our dream client would be. So when it comes to profiling an individual, I often think that, and we do do a bit of individual profiling as part of our role, but we don't, you know, focus on it. Here's a thorny issue. A lot of corporations that I've come across have actually told me, instructed me, that they don't want me to put certain individuals front and center because by making them more out there putting them out there making their profiles bigger that makes them more likely to move on to be headhunted to leave the organization so the organization doesn't want to invest in that individual so totally because they they just think that that is an investment in that individual's profile and that individual will just take that investment and move on and uh, take you know take all of you know all of the the kind of like the razzmatazz with them. How would you answer that? That is such an interesting point, and I've never really thought about it from that perspective. Where organisations and companies wouldn't actually want their leaders to be that visible for that reason. And we actually recently did did some research that kind of showed the some of the biggest benefits of of being visible as a leader and, and people knowing who you are as a CEO or the founder of a company, is they attract better talent, they attract more investment, and they act more responsibly. Those were the three main outtakes. What we didn't consider as part of that research was the downside of other companies wanting to headhunt those, those individuals. It's not an issue we've come across, actually, because our clients tend to come to us at a very personal level when they want to build their own personal profile. It's not kind of their organisation or their company behind them that approaches us. So I suppose for our clients specifically, that might be one of their intentions. Who knows? I'm not sure. But but no, it's not something we've actually had to deal with with specifically. They pay you personally or does their organisation pay you? It's a bit of a mix. It depends. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting, interesting. this. It's really, really interesting. I I actually have a question as well. You mentioned earlier on, and we are going to get on to, you know, I know you're really interested in kind of AI and PR and social media and kind of leveraging communications and things. And I promise, well, I say, I say I promise listeners. I mean, I quite often promise we're going to get onto these things and then we never do. We always run out of time um, because I'm just so interested in this, actually. You mentioned kind of, it starts from the pitch, right? You know, cadence with a client, candidness with a client. It starts with the pitch. This might be just me being a total layman, and I apologize if this is a very obvious question, but which way around is it happening quite often? I mean, Jackie and I have spoken, in, ter- in terms of securing a client, in terms of like starting that relationship, because Jackie and I have spoken in the past, Jackie's spoken of times where she's kind of gone, I'd really like to work with that company, and I don't think they're getting it. They're not getting it, and I want to go there, and I want to kind of kind of sort it out. But it strikes me that when it comes to kind of profiling and executive profiling they're coming to you or, or do or do you sometimes kind of look over the road and go i think you've really got something but that person 
shine. But you're not, but you're not shining. You're not showing it. I mean, is it kind of a bit of a mix or do they come to you more often than you go to them or how does that work? It's, it is, it's 100% a mix. It's about probably half and half in terms of us proactively reaching out to business leaders that we particularly are interested in and want to work with, but also a lot of inbound inquiries, whether that's through our website, whether it's through LinkedIn, whether it's simply through word of mouth. So, yeah, it is, it is a bit of a mix, actually. I'm not 100% closely in, involved on the kind of business development side of the business, but it is, yeah... It's a very niche market, as you can imagine. Yeah. If, a, if a brand or a company comes to us asking to do kind of corporate or consumer PR for them, it's obviously a straight back. Sorry, that's that's not what we specialise in. You know, we've got some great companies we can refer you to, but we solely focus on on individual working with individuals and executive profiling. So yeah, I mean, I know that's not a very helpful answer, but I'd say it's about. No, no, it's, it's fine. It's just interesting because. Lyle is right. I mean, we don't do a lot of marketing at Demo, so something is to to my. I'm just crap at it. But um, <laughs> Daff, who is our MD, has decided he wants to grow the business. I mean, uh, most of Demoso's clients to me are a passion project, and I do pick up the phone. I'll go. I think you could be doing this, um, and then sort of everything sort of unfolds, and all of our business comes through word of mouth. So. You know, we're always fascinated to find out, you know, how other people, you know, come across their business. We don't advertise. We, we do this podcast, but I suppose that's some word, way of supplementing our word of mouth. But it's not this podcast isn't done for new business. As you can probably tell, because I've just been so honest. The other thing I'll just sorry to interrupt that I is, is we are very early in, in our journey as profile. We've only founded profile about three and a half months ago. So we're still trying to kind of build our profile as an agency and get our name out there. Um, So hopefully, you know, and not too far in the future, we'll be 100% word of mouth as well. Yeah, here's a little bit of a rub. How will you cope? Because at the moment, I'm sure in the whole, when you start out at your agency, it's great. Everybody's really enthusiastic, really excited about what they're doing. How will you cope when you come across a client that you really don't like? Um, good question. I mean, that is an aw- Jackie. That is an awful. That the, it's a, the poor guy's been on the podcast for twenty minutes. He's like honestly, no, he's been absolutely. Let's, let's be honest. Anyone <laughs> that's working in PR has always come across clients they don't like. Whether they they don't like what their client is doing, whether they just personally don't like their client, it's something we all have to deal with. I'm just racking my brain now, thinking yeah. the past when I have clients that I don't like how I have dealt with them. It is, I mean, look, I think it's just part of it, and it's just about being professional. I wouldn't say we'd stop working with a client because you know we don't like them on a personal level. You know, we're here to build their profile and and. We'll do everything we can to do that. What if they stand for something you don't believe in? So, for example, some agencies take a very sort of moral viewpoint on gambling. They won't take on clients that are pro-gambling or other sort of... I mean, I I am very agnostic about stuff like that. You know, I'm the wheels of business and, and you know, captain. But I there are certain there are certain areas I won't go. Yeah. And have been presented with. So, for example, the pornography industry. Now, have Mm. been asked to work with people within that industry, organisations within that industry, and I've I've said no. 
So it's it's like, you know, do you, have you set your own kind of... Absolutely. No, 100%. So I, I suppose this goes back to what I was saying before about us believing business and enterprise is a force for good, not... And, and just to kind of flesh out a little bit more about, you know, what, what that kind of, what we stand for, because finding innovative ways to do things better, more responsibly, more sustainably, that comes down to innovation and that comes down to, to kind of what role the, you know, business and enterprise can play. And focusing on executive profiling, we feel is a good way to kind of drive that force for good in the world. Because as I said before, the research we did just a few months ago showed that companies, businesses that do have more visible leaders, they act more responsibly. And I can proudly say that we don't have any clients that kind of work in any you know, question of what most people would deem questionable industries. That doesn't mean to say, though, that if we were to be approached by a client that is active in a sector that other people might frown upon, we'd look at it and go, well, are they doing something different? Are they doing something innovative? Are they doing something to solve problems? Then we'd absolutely work with them. So we, we do take it on a case-by-case basis. But again, it comes down to just the focus is very much on kind of innovation and doing things better, I suppose. Yeah, which I love. I think it's fantastic. Are you working at the moment with anybody who's like got you handling their client profiling, but they've also got an agency handling their corporate outreach Absolutely. That's, and how does that work? Do you brief the agency? Do you work together with them? Or do you work in silos? It's a bit of a mix. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the uh, objectives and the priorities of our client from a personal profiling, executive profiling perspective are completely different to whatever their company's doing. Some of our clients own five or six different companies. We'll usually work alongside them. We'll keep on the same page, make sure that we're looped into any kind of announcements coming up that we could leverage from our side or any announcements they could leverage as well, uh, making sure that we're on the same page in terms of what they're doing on social media. But we don't tend to actively work together on projects. It's more just kind of keeping on the same page. I suppose that keeps it quite authentic as well, sort of sticking to what, because I think authenticity is probably the most important thing to strive for, not a sort of created, sculpted profile, but more tapping into the real authentic standout qualities of your client. 100%. And that is exactly why we're leaning very heavily into multimedia production, things like video content, photography, audio content, because if you're obviously watching a video of a CEO or a business founder, that's them you're watching. It's it's coming from them, and as you said, it comes back to them being very authentic, whereas a corporate press release or an op-ed is just written on paper and probably written by us at the end of the day. Whereas all the multimedia content we're doing, it can capture our client at a personal level a lot better than what other kind of forms of PR can. So, yeah, you've sort of started, we're starting to segue, Lyle, into the sort of social media and all that side of things. So obviously you're handling the individual social media. What sort of social media platforms do you work with with the clients primarily? It's predominantly LinkedIn and Twitter. We found that at the end of the day, those are very much the two platforms that are most conducive to building your profile in a very credible, professional way that that kind of gives your 
profile a bit of weight and a bit of gravitas. And then we, we do a bit of Instagram. Look, we'd be open to doing TikTok if we thought that that could build their profile in the way that we want to build it. But at the moment, it's 95% LinkedIn and Twitter because we feel they are 100% the right kind of What do you think about we... the recent Twitter, like the blue tick kind of debate that's going on? What's your views on that? Yeah, I mean, it is concerning with Twitter when, you know, Elon Musk takes it over and before you know it, the, the Dodds coin will... Yeah. I don't exactly what, what the term is, but the, the dog face is, is the logo instead of the Twitter logo. And he is obviously known for just making decisions on a whim. Look, it's out of our control ultimately. Um, sure, it kind of somewhat damages the the reputation of Twitter to an extent. Hopefully, it'll just be temporary. Hopefully, Elon Musk is just kind of having a moment in the months after he bought it. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't change with with everything we do. We still just use it as a platform to get content out there. Um, blue tick or no blue tick. I mean, that's out of our control. We just kind of crack on, I suppose. Okay, yes. so I'm feeling a little bit on this front interesting to discuss with you. I'm, I pull these things from left field because... Lyle hates me for this, but it's just the way of the world with me. So I know an incredible woman called Eileen Burbage. She is one of the founders of Passion Capital. She has a stellar career, incredibly well-known in in B2B. And just very recently, her Instagram has been hacked. And Mm. people are, there is a, a new Eileen who is, who's managed to gather all of her personal photos is reissuing them on Instagram to the extent that and has so many more followers than she does because they obviously built a a dodgy audience through the means that we all know that you can use to actually inflate your audience but so to the extent that she's tried to get them shut down by Instagram but Instagram doesn't believe it's her trying to get them shut down Oh, really? Yeah. So it's a real, it's a horrible. I, I came across it because I do know her. And so I'm a Facebook friend of hers. And I got this Instagram chat come through to me on DM from Eileen. And I thought, this doesn't sound like Eileen. And so I contacted her and just said, listen, you know, did you know about this? She said, it's just been a nightmare. And the same thing happened with another well-known person that I know, a guy called Bill Tai, who's a very senior investor in Canva and Zoom and things like that, really well-known guy from Actai Global. And the same thing happened with him. His Instagram was was hacked. How do you how do you counter things like that? How would you counter stuff like that with personal profile? It's obviously interesting to me right now because, you know, this is an issue that's, that's started to come up and I think it will come up more and more. Well, first and foremost, there are horrible situations whenever something like that happens and astounding that it's that tricky to kind of get Instagram to, you know, take it down and, and realise who's who. Thankfully, we've never had a situation like that on any of our social media accounts for clients. If that was to happen, gosh, I wouldn't even, I mean, that's almost just putting it into a form crisis comms situation. Um, it's Martin um, from Money Saving Expert. He's, he's just recently gone through, there's loads of Facebook ads. I mean, we. I think the, the normal public can discern when it's somebody advertising. Deborah Meaden as well from Dragon's Den, they're all getting these rip-off adverts put on social media, using them as the sort of poster boy of their brand. And it's 
absolute rubbish. And it's very hard for these celebrities and, and high-profile individuals to, to fight against it. And Martin's been on television going, don't, I don't advertise for anybody. Don't buy anything that's got my name on it because I never advertise for anybody. But it is an issue. Yeah. Well, we, we, given that our clientele tends to be more kind of in the corporate business space, not so much the kind of celebrity public figure space. I would say Eileen was in the in this in the um yeah the consumer space. She's well into B2B. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really interesting dilemma. I think we are all yet to try to find the solutions. You're absolutely right. I think you have to sort of then jump into into full-on crisis comms. And the reason I started talking about that was because we want to discuss AI. And the thing about AI, and I think the thing that everybody's quite scared about with AI, is this sort of deep faking that can go on with with AI. Yeah, and look, it's everywhere at the moment, AI. And the, the deep faking is tends to be what has dominated the, the news headlines. I saw a story the other day about a new single um, purporting to be, I think, The Weekend and Drake. Um, yeah. Where it, Completely fabricated by AI. It wasn't very and, good either. <laughs> <laughs> and the Michael Schumacher interview, interview as well, yeah. which was extraordinary. And obviously people have been sacked and craziness. And the German bloke that won a photography award for an image that wasn't a photograph at all. Yeah. Um, and he actually had the honesty to put his hand up and say, no, it's just... I know, just that's amazing, job. isn't it? Look, in the context of PR and comms, we firmly think it's it's a positive development and, and it should be embraced. That doesn't mean that there aren't risks and pitfalls. I really don't think we're at the stage yet uh, that AI will start taking jobs out of PR. There's still a very, very high element of human finesse required for everything that AI does. But, and this comes back to, you know, the disclaimer we put on our website recently, we think PR agencies should be using it, absolutely, but they should also be should also be 100% honest to clients, disclosure, let them know that they're using AI and some of the content we produce might be used with the help of AI. Um, but at the moment, it can take a lot of the more mundane, it can take the boring out of PR. I think there's always been a bit of a conception, a, a, a bit of a kind of thought in PR that things like coverage tracking, media tracking, coverage reports, is a good way to teach young young starters, new starters, entry level, you know, employees and, and PR the ropes of PR and, and teach them kind of how it's done and what it's all about. But no one likes it. It's never been fun. It's never been interesting. It's not going to attract the best talent. It's it's just going to bore people to death. If we can kind of take those more kind of mundane, boring jobs out of PR and instead invest a lot more of our energy and time and, and money into more creative of endeavors like video production, graphic design, multimedia, that's going to kind of supercharge the transformation from PR being very much based on press office activity, very much based on media engagement, to a lot more kind of strings towards both where it will, you know, most PR agencies will have in-house video production, they'll have in-house photography, they'll have in-house graphic design, they'll have in-house SEO. And while AI can kind of look after the more kind of administrative, boring, mundane functions of PR. So for that reason, that's why we think PR is good, but it does need to be used 
carefully. Um, it does need to be rolled out quite incrementally. You do need to monitor how you're using it, how effective it is. And we're very, very early. I mean, AI has been around for obviously a long time, but it's only now that it's really starting to be used quite extensively in a lot of industries, including PR. So now it's quite a pivotal moment to make sure that we're getting it right, I suppose. I think I agree to some point and I disagree on other things. So I'd like to see AI used, but I'd actually kind of like to see AI used a little bit more in the creative output where mm-hmm. where we are a little bit challenged and the tools that are coming to market in the creative side of things can actually help us put together content that is more yummy, that is more kind of appealing than just your plain old text-based communications. Mm-hmm. Where I kind of worry when somebody goes straight into the automation of the basic tasks is, and I think you're right that those basic tasks where PR starters come into the industry, they're given the coverage reports, the media lists, the hourly timesheets. But what I try to teach my lot, and I was chatting with one of my newbies literally two days ago, to say, listen, she said, oh, the press list took me so long to create. I see everybody else whizzing through them. And, you know, it took me ages. And I'm like, treat this as good as a good thing that it took you ages because every time you look at a press list you want to be thinking hmm what are those guys writing about now hmm who's this new person that's arrived what did they do so you want to be taking time over your press list and you want to be learning about those journalists and what their particular interests are and let's face it There is a proliferation. There are millions of media vehicles. But if we're really honest, and you probably find this yourself in your specialization of corporate profiling, let's be honest, there's only really a few media titles and publications and websites that really cut through in terms of coverage. Yes, you have your verticals that everybody will get into, but you can still, you know, at the end of the day, you will have a client that could probably name, and it depends how global your client is as well, but let's just look at the UK. They could probably name 10 to 20 titles that they would really love to be in, to be featured in. So when I say to my people, look, you know, I know press lists are a bore, but there's always a new 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 magazine or publication coming through, like MetaCrunch, for example. You know, that's an amazing publication that's just come through that Kelly Vero, who's a who's been on our pet podcast, is the editor-in-chief of. And getting to know what Kelly likes and what Kelly's writing about is invaluable for that newbie who can come to the party with their elders and betters, so to speak, and say, listen, I've seen this great new title come through. They're doing all these top charts of all the top metaverses in the industry. You know, let's let's go and find out more about Kelly Vero. So I worry a little bit about the automation of those tasks. I think it takes out that personal kind of understanding of exactly and exact and, and timesheets, for example. Timesheets. If somebody's not really thinking about because timesheets really sort of take out, they suck out the individual um, work that goes into an account. And they don't really reflect how much effort and where the prioritization should be. So if you don't have that sort of very human insight into what's going on, account manager insight into what's going on in timesheets. So, yeah, you you can automate all these things, but I think you miss a lot in the automation. No, no, that, look, I I fully agree 
and let me slightly rephrase it. So, in terms of writing, you know, doing a press list for a new announcement or monitoring the media, 100%, they're essential for, for anyone in PR to do to make sure that, it, you know, like yourself, we see doing a press list a great opportunity to go through it and kind of pick out what journalists are going to be the best fit, what they've been writing about, how can we find new journalists that we can add to this press list that Roxel must, you know, may have missed. Same with, with media monitoring, making sure that we're super in tune with all the issues, all the topics, all the, you know, all the topical things that are going on in the media. It's more the administrative function, so to speak, that, that I was talking about. Whether it's kind of, you know, you need to write generic filler blog posts for X, Y, Z. It's more giving those, I'm struggling to kind of think of a bog standard example at the moment, but AI will always only play a supporting role. There's always going to need that kind of human level. I agree. I mean, I'd like AI to compile our coverage books. I'd like it to sort of us to say, hey, look, you know, this is where the web links are. Pull it all together, make it look beautiful, put it in the branding, all of that mm. stuff that you spend quite a lot of time doing where it's not really what you're paid to do. What you're paid to do, mm. what you're paid to do is build that person's profile. It's not spend ages finding the way to justify the spend by creating beautiful lookbooks of the covering. Mm. Yeah, and, and I also agree that it can help support the more creative content we produce as well. It can support with kind of video production and, and graphic design and things like that as well. What Have you used Midjourney? Personally, I haven't. I know some of the team has, but no, yeah. I haven't used it. Crazy creative stuff. It's mental. It's, it's absolutely. I mean, honestly, it's like. I mean, I, I in my capacity as uh, also running a theatre company, I use Mid Journey um, every now and again to kind of like create images for some of our like kind of marketing materials and things. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I am. Uh, I've got splinters in my backside from sitting on the fence here um, because uh, uh, on the one hand, I do like the personal approach of having gone through uh, media lists in my capacity. As, uh, as an intern when I started working for DeMozo, um, but I can now say as a freelancer uh, with a healthy relationship with my co-host, they took a while to put together. And uh, sometimes maybe if I had my program next to me to be like, okay, cool, I know they work. And then they maybe just fill this out as well. I want to finish, Sam, thank you so much, by the way. Um, you've been an absolutely stellar guest. I've, I've personally learned it's fascinating. Really I, I haven't come across that specialization before. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah. it existed. I've never spoken to somebody who's in it. So I'm really so excited to talk to you, Sam. I think what you're doing is amazing. And yeah, brilliant work. I'd love us to share clients. I think it could be really cool. I think there's some there's some network possibilities here. But also, can I just say, can I just say before we I do ask this final question, because it's kind of linked to my final question how exciting it is to have someone like yourself coming on the podcast at such an early stage of the development of the company you work for as well. Because like, I mean, I don't want to use, I don't want to throw out kind of terms like brave or anything like that, but quite often I think people would like to appear on podcasts like this, you know, when they're kind of like slightly further down the line and they have kind of like certain things more established. But I actually think I'd love to have more of this, like, you know, sort of people like yourselves coming on the podcast when things are just kicking off, when it's exciting, when there are still things to kind of work out. And um, that kind of leads me on to my final question, actually, which is what the future holds. I mean, you're a, you're a small team, you know, like you, like you mentioned that the team that might grow in kind of the next sort of very few months and, and years and what have you, but you're also kind of, we've kind of touched on this already. You're starting an agency and you have started an agency. 
at a double-edged sword time, a really exciting time, but also an incredibly challenging time because there are so many things that you can now incorporate into how you work with your clients, into the work you do, into the partnerships you build. I mean, how are you kind of keeping up to date with that? How, how are you getting on? Are you doing okay? Are you doing well? Are you, are you, are you doing well? I'm joking. But also, like, what does the, uh, the future hold for, for the agency and, and, and what does the sort of the next few months heading towards 2024 um, have in store for, for Profile? Look, we're very kind of unapologetic in, in how ambitious we are, and, and we absolutely want to be the, the kind of absolute number one go-to agency for executive profiling in the world, whether that's in the two years, three years, five years. And we're confident because we know there's a need for it. We know it's a very specific, a very niche market, but there are a lot of business leaders out there, a lot of founders, investors, CEOs that want the service and don't really know where to go and, and quite yeah. often don't know where to start, don't know what to say, don't know what they should be doing. Should they be engaged with the media? Should they be focusing on social media? So we know there's a market there and it's just about tapping into that market really. And at the moment we've got about a team of 10 or 11. We've got two new people coming on board in the next three weeks. So, yeah, 100% at the start of what we hope is a, is a very kind of aggressive growth journey and look we're, we're confident we have to kind of you know we're, we're kind of aware where the opportunities are um, but we also have to you know we have to grow and scale properly so yeah we know there's a market there and, and we're just looking to tap into it oh it's going to be great uh, I, I i'd love you to come back again and talk to us you know please do yeah yeah, amazing. You know about how you know how things are going with you, and certainly I will keep you close in my contact book because I'm sure there are people we'd like to work on together with you because oh. I think it's a really necessary service and a really necessary specialization. And I will, I will put my money on the fact because my prediction for the industry is that with everything that's coming in terms of AI and everything else, specialization like this is the mm. way forward. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, and I, you know, I really, you know, applaud you for going down that route. I think it's a very smart move. Great stuff. Thank you so much. No, I really, really appreciate all the kind words. Is there a gap in your client list for, uh, for a podcast host who also is <laughs> an actor, uh, kind of West London based, uh, you know, I don't have a huge budget, but, uh, but I can, uh, I'd love to work with you on that. I can get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we'd love to have you back on 100%. Like joking aside, I'd love to have you back on to sort of see how you're getting on in like a few months' time. And like I say, kind of, um, working on these things. And I suppose just the final thing I say, the final kind of piece of, you know, the final kind words, if you like, is also just how refreshing and how brilliant it is to see an agency such as yours having such a strong kind of sense of what they are and such a strong message like jackie said like such a strong specialization uh, we've spoken on recent episodes of the podcast about as you're growing your business and scaling your business how important it is to stay true to the message mm. to stay true to the mm. values you hold and and you you guys clearly seem to have a real really clear sense of, of that so that's I, I predict huge huge things not that i'm an authority at all i mean i like to pretend i am because i host this but i'm not jackie definitely is so you should take her word more than mine but um sam thank you so so much for for coming on the podcast and we'll be linking uh sort of the website uh, to profile so you can go and um, check out what sam and the team have been up to i strongly recommend it because they're doing great great things and it's a really really exciting uh, agency to keep an eye on um jackie same time next week you're off on holiday so enjoy your holiday 
I am. I've, I've been lining up quite a few people for, to come on the pod. There's a bit of a queue. There is a queue now. It seems this is the thing we've got. You know, we have, you know, Sam. Sam was right at the top of that, understandably. Um, but um, Sam, thank you so much once again, and listeners, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. A few T's and C's before we finish. If you would like to get in touch with the podcast, like Sam did, um, you can do so by emailing info at therestispr.com or you can email info at demozo.com and you can head to the respective websites as well, therestispr.com or demozo.com. You can get in touch that way. You can also get in touch with us via LinkedIn, Jackie Wars, Lyle Fulton. We'll answer messages on that platform as well. You can follow us at therestispr, capital T, capital R, capital I, capital PR it really is as simple as that and as I mentioned I'd really strongly encourage you to go and check out Profile as well on all of their media platforms on their website as well and we'll be linking those in the episode description but listeners thank you so much for being with us once again from Sam Jackie and myself we'll see you next week but it's bye for now